general revelation. Then we have special revelation. With this mighty God in a special way come and He reveals Himself to you and me. And where did we find that? Through the Word of God. He spoke to Moses on the mountain. Special revelation. He appeared to Moses. Not only to Moses right through the Old Testament. He spoke. He appeared to the men and to the people of the Old Testament. And what do we learn out of that? The character of God. If you open up your Bible and you read and you study the Bible, you find the character of God. Who this God is. How He thinks. What He likes. What He dislikes. Now my question again to you is, do you know Him at that level? Well, some people don't even want to read their Bibles anymore. So they can't say they know Him at that level. The character of God. How He operates. What's His will for your life? I've got three children. The Lord blessed me with three children. And as they grew up, I tell them they know me as their father and they know how I want things and my will and how it impacts them and each one has got their own will. And that will comes out. What is the will of the God for you? But then there is the one more than that. You see, a lot of people stop at special revelation. They will quote you the scripture verses one after the other like a parrot. Like a small old parrot. You say things over and over again, they repeat it after you. But then you get a personal relationship. Personal relationship. That is a little bit more than special revelation. How do you get into this personal relationship? God reveals Him to you. You experience Him. You apply that revelation that He gives you to the Word of God. And then you come to the realization that He's not just words on a book. He's alive. He's alive and He lives inside of you and He makes you alive. It says it in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses, harmatia, and your, your trespasses and sins. But He made you alive. Otherwise you're just a dead man walking. We've got so many dead people walking in the world. You can say it's corpses walking. They are still warm, but they're cold in a spiritual sense. They think they have life, but they've got nothing. So that's how you know Him. So I put to you today the words there, that I may know Him. And I ask you the question, before I talk any further, do you know Him? Do you? And how do you know Him? You see, when, when Job, at the end of the book of Job, he turns to God and he says, I've heard about you, but now I know you. A lot of people hear about him. They will come to services like this. They will sit in church every single Sunday. They will amen and hallelujah and yes, brother, and pray and all of these things because they, they worship somebody they heard about, but they don't know him. They don't know him. That is what it is all about today. And, and John writes in these letters, he, look, he explained to us, he said, God is light. And we had all of that for the last four weeks. And God is love. Now we're moving into the love part of who God is. That is His essence. That's who He is. He's not trying to be that. God is who He is. That's His character. And then we're going to see that God is life. If you haven't got God in your life, friend, you haven't got life. You might breathe, but you haven't got life. This is what is so wonderful. So let's just read our passage and then I'll unpack it for you. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 3. He says, now by this we know that we know Him. I love it. Just a practical way he writes it, isn't it? It's not difficult. By this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is what? Is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. By what, John? He who says he abides in Him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Let's just thank the Lord for His word. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for Your word, the public reading of Your word. And as I always say, even if I close my Bible now, get in my car and go home, I am so satisfied that your word was heard today. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray that you touch my lips, touch my heart, make me calm in my spirit, Father. Give me the right words to speak. Give me pronunciation, vocabulary, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So he writes this, but this is the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And I look at Paul, this man who wrote most of our Bible. And he comes at the end of his life. And he still has the ambition to know Christ. Listen to him here. In Philippians 3 verse 10. He says, that I may know him. Paul. He's, he shouts it out. He says, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. Being conformed to his death. At the end of his life. I know a man in New Zealand who was a missionary for 38 years. Peter Compton, some of you knows him. After 38 years of missionary, he came back to New Zealand. He worked in New Caledonia as a missionary. He came and he supported our ministry in the church. Man, I must tell you, I haven't seen a humble man like that. 70 and 5 years old, he would come in and he will, he will sweep the floors. He will take the vacuum cleaner and do the carpets. Do you, do you think that is why I call him humble? No. No, this is why I call him humble. That I'm way younger in my years. He studied the Bible for so long. And then when we sit down and we discuss and talk about the Word or go into a Bible study or he go into when I preach to him, what a privilege. After which he comes back to me and says, I didn't know that. And I want to learn so much more. How humble is that to, to approach a living God and to say, Lord, I want, to, I want to know more. I give you Paul who says that I may know him. I, one would think, Glenn, that after now, a man who writes so much, he spent three years in the desert of Arabia with Jesus Christ with him. He's, he went to the university. He know everything in and out of the Torah. And he comes at this stage of his life and he says that I may know. Oh friend, let me tell you, my prayer is Lord, please do not make my heart so hard that I do not want to learn from you anymore. Year after year, day after day, he reveals himself more and more to me personally and to you. But the question is, do you know Him and do you want to know Him? He reveals Himself. 
Michael, he's got so much love to give. But people reject him. Here is a man. He's got that ambition. He says, Lord, that I may know more of you. You see, today some saints give me the impression that they are complete. Have you heard that one? Some people in churches today, they think I'm complete. I know everything. They, they walk around as if they've got this halo above their heads. And all they want to do is, do is take out a little bit of a cloth and they wipe the halo so that it shines a little bit more brighter. Have you noticed in life it's not about you? It's about God and others. Here's a man. I mean, honestly, if Paul walks through these doors, I'll go and sit down on the floor, friend, for of what he knows and what he's done and accomplished. And he says, that I may know him. Is that still your prayer? Are you still crying out to him? Or do you want to get better at what you do personally? It's about Him. He gave you life. And He sustains your life. Oh, but I thought it's me getting up in the morning and take a shower and go to work and work and look after my family and support them. Yes! That's your responsibility. We're going to see it in a minute. It's your responsibility, but He takes care of you. Here is this man and he cries out that I may know Him. This is the greatest missionary that we know of, that the world has ever seen. And this is at the end of his life that he says these words. He says that my ambition is still to know him and to know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This is what this man said. You see, the greatest comfort in my life is the reality of Christ, he says. I'll leave those words there for you to ponder about because, friends, when we do this study, we come to and we say, this is a test of reality of a Christian's life. You have to test yourself against the Word every single time you open it up to read. In the book of James, he says it's like a mirror. Have you looked into a mirror this morning? Who, Who looked into a mirror this morning? Of course. What did you see? You saw a reflection of yourself. Yeah? Well, if you didn't see a reflection of yourself, you're in trouble. <laughs> if that wasn't the same person standing back to you from that side of the window, we need, to, we need to talk to you, okay? There's something wrong. But you know, the greatest comfort in life is the reality of Christ, friends. This is the mirror right there. And every time we open up those pages... And we read and we get the special revelation of God. What happens? What do you think what happens? From there, that image is portrayed back at you. It's like a light shining. And it goes through into your eyes, into the source of your heart right there. And as you read those words in the book of James, he says that this is Christ. So when you look into this mirror, my friend, you look into the reflection of Jesus Christ. And you know what you do? You read those words there and you go, wow, you know what? This little hair right here is out of place. Andra, I had a lot more hair when I was younger. <laughs> you know what I find? When hair is as short as this and you have a nap in the afternoon and you don't lie right, it, it sort of sticks up. It doesn't look good, brother. <laughs> 
then I go into the bathroom and I take some water and I try to flatten it. Have you tr is it only me? <laughs> Where is brill cream when you want it? <laughs> that disappeared when my boys were in their teenagers. <laughs> so you go with the water and it doesn't stand down and then you come to a point and say, oh well. <laughs> But friend, this is where we look into this and he goes, your, noise, your nose is out of joint. That's the mirror of Christ, John. This is what I like about this man. He says, that I may know him, the ambition, the, the passion to look at Christ and say, I want to know you more. Why? Because I want to change into the image of God. This is it. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. We might as well say, Amy, now I'm going to eat some food. If you are here for the food, praise the Lord, but I'm going to give you some spiritual food this morning. The greatest comfort in my life. This is what you should say. You should say this to somebody when they say, what gives you comfort? Not my friends, not the club I belong to. The greatest comfort in my life is the reality of Christ. Let me ask you it this way. Is Christ real to you? It was real to this man who wrote, Paul. It was real to John. It was real to Peter. You name all of them. Is he real to you? You say, but I can't touch him like John. Oh, it's so wonderful, Philip. When Peter then says, he says, Him whom you don't see, you love. Go read the first chapter of the book of Peter. Him whom you don't see, you love. I need the reality of Christ in my life. Is that your cry? Not just to take care of your problems, but to love Him. To love Him with every single thing that you have. Because, my friend, He first loved you. When you were a bad boy and a bad girl, You know when Bo comes up here and we talk about this man. People have perceptions. Like he had to a few times say, I know there's two stories, I know there's... You don't have to say that. People have perceptions. If you look at somebody, we make up our perception immediately. We go, I either put him in a basket I like or I don't. Yeah? Come on, we're all human beings. I do that, you do that, everybody's doing that. That's natural. We put him in a basket we don't like. And you know what the first action is if you don't like somebody? You ignore them. You cut them off. But the people you like, you hang around with them. Friend, let me just explain to you something here this morning. Jesus Christ looks at you where you're in a basket of people that they don't like. And he says, for you... I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for you. I'm going to demonstrate my love towards you that while you were without strength and a sinner, I died for you. How powerful is that? That is the Christ that I want to know. That is why I want to say I need the reality of Christ in my life. Listen, he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, the same Paul, he says, Not that I've already attained, you see, 
He, he still is telling to you and me that he's still got growing to do. Remember, this is a man old in age at the end of his life. He says, I haven't attained anything. Nothing. Or I'm already perfected. Paul didn't believe in, 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 in a, um, sinless perfection. He didn't believe in that. He says, I'm not perfect. But I press on. Who loves those words? Come on, show me. Do you love those words? I do. How can you tell? I put it in a different color. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, and I ask him, I say, Paul, what is this one thing you do? He says, I forget the things which are behind and reach forward to the things which are ahead of me. And that lesson a lot of people should take in their lives. For so many people are still living in the past. And let me tell you, just quite frankly, the past will, it will destroy you. You cannot change the past. We don't live in a void where we can go into time travel. We can't. Oh, but I know one who lives in that void. It just came to my mind. The scripture verse just popping there. You know who travels in time? God only. He's the only time traveler. You know where I get it? In the book of Habakkuk, I think it says that what the cancer worm has destroyed, what will he do? He will restore it. He's the only one. Listen to me. He's the only one who will take your past and turn it into a blessing. He does it. So powerful. Paul says, forget about the past and reach out. And somehow, I, I like this, if someone has well said that Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. So there's two things here. One is the past, and the other thing is worries about the future. Oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? And tomorrow comes and nothing happens. We've all been there. But you see, I go back to what he says, that I may know him, because you find perfect peace in Christ, in nobody else. Nobody else. Do you know him? Listen to uh, Jesus in John chapter 14 verse 16. He says, And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. You remember we looked at this last week. That helper is the parakletos. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. This world can't receive it. Why? Because they neither sees him nor knows him. Everybody say no. He says the world don't know him. And frankly, when my brother came to the Lord's table, he said we're living in the last days. One of those things is the world will actually not only not know him, they will oppose him. That's what we see in the world today. He says this word here, but. What does that mean? What does but mean in, in the Bible? A sharp contrast. It's, just, it's black and white. He says, he says, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. My question I always ask after the Scripture verse is, do you know Him? Jesus puts it forward. It's His own words when He turns to His head. He says, but you know Him. That's a given. Tick, you know Him. Do you know Him? Please, my friend, don't turn Him away. He says, you know Him. But the people don't. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 13. 
verse 26, again Paul, he's now talking to, to, to a group of people. He says, men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God. You see the different groups he's talking to here? This is fascinating if you pick this up. He says, men and brethren. Brethren is who? Is the people in the family, the born-again ones. You know, you, you, I don't call everybody just a brother. You have to be a born-again child, blood-washed child of God before you become a brother in the body of Christ. And then there's men there. There's two different groups there. He says, sons of the family of Abraham. Who were they? The Jews. The people who listened to him were Jews as well, and they called themselves the children of Abraham. And then he says, those among you who fear God. These who fear God, but they are still not brethren. They fear God, but they are not brethren yet. There's a lot of people in the church today who's in the church just because they fear God. They come to church because they're afraid of what God's going to do to them. That's not why we fear God. Our fear for God is different. My fear is God, don't leave me on my own. It's different than what's God going to do with you. Oh, you're a naughty boy. Crash! Yeah, see how you recover from that. That's not how God operates. But there's people who fear that. And, and here he talks, he says, what, what's the message to them? He says, to you, the word of salvation has been sent. Who was that word of salvation? Jesus Christ. It was sent to them. And to us here in Karam Downs. And to us here in Melbourne. And to us here in Victoria. And to us here in Australia. And to us in the whole world. That message of salvation was sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and the rulers, because, why did he send this, the message of salvation? Because they did not know him. Nor even the voices of the prophets. The people who preach the word of God today, which are read every Sabbath, have filled them in Condemning, condemning Him. It's all about knowing Him this morning. Do you know Him? I want you to ask yourself that question. Do you know Him? In Titus chapter 1 verse 16, He says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. We see so much of this today. People profess to know God. But in works they deny him. I see this picture of this man coming into a church with a big Bible. You know, one of those big, I've got one at home. I'll show you one day, uh, Brett. I've got one of those big ones. You saw it the other day, yeah. So you, you can walk with that thing, man. You put it under your arm and it pulls you a little bit to the side. So heavy it is, man. You walk around, man. And you've got your suit on and you walk into church. And there's that man with that big Bible. What is the first thing people are going to say? Wow. What a man of God. He must know God. Look at that big Bible for that man. It's massive. Walking around there, pure, you know, poised, you know, he's, he's this upright man. But if you look him at his workplace and you see how he operates there, it is a hypocrite. Friend, it's not what you carry around in your arms that's going to save you. It's what you carry around in your heart. So that, that big Bible that's there, the, the task here is, is to take all of that and zoop, put it into you. How do you do that? You start studying it, reading it, listening to God. Here we find it is, is you know, they profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Now let me ask the question just quickly. Are they talking to people in the world here? 
Who profess to know God? It's people in the church, isn't it? It's not the world. The world say we don't know Him. We don't want to know Him. We're going to march through Jerusalem, all of you, you know. We're going to we kill all the Christians, you know. We don't want your Jesus in our messages. It's not them he's talking about. He's talking to us, the churchgoers. He says, there's people who are sitting there in church and they profess to know Him, but in works they deny Him, being a vulnerable, disobedient, disqualified for every work. You see, the thing here, friends, is, is faith alone saves. We know that. It's by faith we are saved. But the faith that saves is not alone. It comes with everything that's within the Word of God. It comes with all of that. Now, we go back to our verse quickly this morning, and we see this now. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, as we've read this morning, he says, Now by this we know that we know Him. And the question is, how do we know this thing? He gives us two things there. He says, first of all, if we keep what? His commandments. You see that? And then he says, And know Him who does not keep His commandments, the liar and the truth is not in Him. But to ever keep His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. So John is telling you and me, this is how we know we know Him, if we keep two things, His commandments and His word. You say, but wait a minute, that's the same thing, isn't it? Well, not necessarily, it's not the same thing, because if you look at the Greek words there, the word for commandments is entole. It means a commandment or a precept. You know what a precept is? God says it will be so and so it is. You can't change it. That's a precept. Those are the commandments. And the word for word there is logos, which refers to Jesus and is His words. We go back to John chapter 1 verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, which is Jesus Christ. But friends, the word there encompasses every single thing in the word of God. And we'll get to that in a second. All I want to do now is I'm going to show you the two differences between these two words. And may the Lord bless you with that. And may you learn so much that we can test ourselves against the Word of God. So he talks here about the commandments. The first thing that comes up in people's minds about commandments is what? It's the Ten Commandments. Yes? Isn't that right? When you read that now, what did you think? First of all, Ten Commandments. But I want to suggest to you he's not pointing to the Ten Commandments there. Yes, the Ten Commandments is part of that. But did you know that there are many more commandments in the Word of God? You know, even if you go to the book of Deuteronomy, you find so many commandments there. But I also want to suggest to you that he's even not pointing to the, the, to, to the commandments in Deuteronomy with that word commandments there. He's pointing to something... That those things is a given. If you come to Christ and you confess your sin, that means that you agree with God that the sins, the things you do is wrong and that you hate your sins. And if you confess your sins and you say, Lord, oh please, I'm not only sorry for it, but I'm agonizing about all of the sins I'm doing in my life. The, the ugly things, that is a sin, I confess them to God. You know what He does? He forgives them. He gives that as a given right now, John. He says, you've done that. You've come to the cross. You are now not under the law, but you're under Christ. So the Ten Commandments is done. The laws in Deuteronomy is done. You are obeying them. Now he talks about another commandment. And you say, whoa, I thought it was going to become easy to be a child of God. Yes, it is if you're in Christ. 
but there's a walk that you need to walk. It's a different message here that you hear from this pulpit, isn't it? Isn't it that soft message where they say, mate, you're on your way to heaven, just relax. No, there's some work to do. The commandments here in Tolly, I want to suggest to you, is what Christ gave His disciples when they started walking with Him. What could they be? What is these commandments then? Now let this test. Let, let me put the mirror up in front of you. Test yourself with these, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 2. Uh, uh, Paul writes to this church. He says, For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. You see, this is why I say he's not pointing towards the Ten Commandments. Why? Because God gave the Ten Commandments to whom? To Moses. For the people. For the nation. By the way, all of the societies over the histories of this planet's history is based on the Ten Commandments. Yet they say, oh, we don't believe there is a God. We're atheists. But every one of their lives are based on the Ten Commandments. I haven't got time to go into that, but go and test it. But now he says, the commandments here, the intole, we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question is just quickly, what are these commandments then? Well, first of all, let's look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's a commandment, did you know that? Bear one another's. You know what the word bear means? It's not a bear in a wood who scratches his back against a tree. No. It means you go and you pack. It's like everybody has got a burden pack. Okay? There's burdens in there. And you go to your brother and you say, Brother, sister, I'll pick up this pack for you. Let me carry it a little bit further for you. And if I may use this as an example this morning. There's such a Debbie at the back and she told me right in front that in a time in her life she needed a good friend, there was a friend for her sitting next to her today. And she said, this friend of mine at one stage in my life, she was carrying my burden a little bit further. She was just listening when I needed to have an ear to listen. She was just saying words of comfort when I needed words of comfort. That's a commandment. You, you, say, you say, wait a minute, or how does this fit into the picture? When you come to Christ and you become a born-again Christ, you give away all of your rights for self. That's a different message than the world. The world says you've got rights. Yeah. Now we say it as it says in the book of Colossians, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. Wait a minute, how did he start that? It's no longer I that liveth. But you're still here, you're breathing. Yeah, I get that. But now I live to please whom? To please Christ. And one of the commandments that he gave you, if you say you want to do that, is to bear one another's burdens. Then he didn't say bear each one's purse or wallet or money. He says burdens. We want to care people's nice things, not the bad things. Is it right? This is it. Are you doing it? If you see a brother struggling, are you doing it? I'll tell you how people bear burdens these days in churches. They see a brother or a sister struggling, they just go with him and say, Oh, brother, I'll pray for you during 
I'll, I'll put up a few prayers for you. Prayer is always good. But sometimes they need just a little bit of lifting. Bearing one another's burdens. Look in John chapter 13, verse 34. Uh, uh, Jesus says these words to his disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. You see that? And as I love you, that you also love one another. By this, you uh, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Another commandment is to love one another. Yet you find so many people, Christian, children of God, who fight each other. Fight each other. I hurry on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 5. Wow, there's a lot of commandments in here which you might not have noticed as commandments. Look at this. He says, rejoice always. Is that a commandment? Rejoice always. We sing a song like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Come on. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. I think I put the note in a little bit too high in that second part. If you're a child of God, you should rejoice in the Lord. Always. Isn't it? That's a command, my friend. Again, put the mirror up in front of you. I, get, I, I honestly don't get it. I get it when the world does this, but I don't get it when a child of God gets this. You wake up in the morning, and you look outside, and it's rainy, it's windy, it's everything. You, oh, what a horrible day. How can you rejoice from that stunt? Oh, rejoice in the Lord. Always. Oh, But if you stand up and you say, thank you, Lord, for breath, before you even open up the curtains. Thank you, Lord. You are, thank you for, I'm alive. And you open up the curtains and it's all doom and gloom outside according to the world, not according to you. You go, praise the Lord, it's raining. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, go and try this, my friend. Just go and try it. I'll tell you what, your whole day will change. You will walk in and that old grumpy guy every single time in the lift goes, you walk in there like a sunshine. You go, hey, how are you doing this morning? Rejoice in the Lord is a command. Are you doing it? Because, friend, I want to suggest to you, if you're not doing it, you're unthankful to God for what He's giving you every single day. And then, I better hurry on, because I love this. He says, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Did you know that's a commandment? Wait a minute, I'm, t I'm, I'm telling you, we are, we are here now. We say, by this we know that we know Him. That is the phrase, if we keep His commandments. Are you keeping that commandments? You walk in here and you say, I know Him, I know Him very well. But I'm asking you this morning, when He says those words there, when He says rejoice and pray without ceasing. Let's test ourselves against this. And in everything gives thanks. That's the next one. That's the next one. Even when it goes bad, give thanks. Even when it goes bad, give thanks. Even when it goes bad, give thanks. It's so easy to give thanks when it goes good. But when it goes bad, give thanks to God. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. Yes, it won't make sense to me. But just go and do it. 
Give thanks for those is the will of God in Christ. Do not quench the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it. Don't quench it. I see it so often. I mean, I'm so glad, you know, Bo came up this morning. I, I could sense he was driven by the Spirit of God. Am I right, Bo? Just to come up and to talk and to, to share. Because he was overflowing with that. So what is the commandments? One Thessalonians, there's so many. I'm just going to touch on a few, okay? Because I'm aware that people are going to smell the food in a minute. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life. You see that? Wow. I didn't know that standing in the Bible that I should live a quiet life. But people don't like to live quiet lives. It doesn't mean that you need to be an introvert and pull you away from society. But you can live in society and you can still live a quiet life. To live a quiet life, is it? And to mind your own business. <laughs> oh boy. Isn't that what he said? Am, am I reading that correct? That means to poke your nose into other people's business and you get a bloody nose and you go, oh, it's all because of them. No, it's because of you. You shouldn't have poked your nose into that business. These are all commandments he's talking about. This is how you will know that you know God if you keep his commandments. It's by living this. Live a quiet life. The quiet life contradicts the hugely successful modern attraction of entertainment and all of these things. And to work with your own hands. That's a commandment. Work with your own hands. Isn't it true? We find, you know, uh, uh, and, and look, I said it before and I say it so many times, it is good. I, I'm absolutely happy for my money to be paid as a tax to go to people who really can't help themselves and they use it in, in a scheme where they support the people who can't do it. But if my money goes to people who's on, on drugs and, and who's going on in all of these things, that's when I get upset about it. But you know what, friends? They're outside of the will of God and you can see it evidently in their lives. But He's talking about us in the church and now He says, work with your own hands. You see, work is God's plan for progress in society and in the church. Let me just thank everybody, every Sunday, who help us here. Janelle with the vacuum cleaner. And other brothers with the vacuum cleaner. The ladies in the kitchen. I just want to quickly throw this in here because I generally forget to do this, okay? I'm so grateful for people who help around. You know, we give this place back cleaner than sometimes we get it. And we get compliments around that. And I want, and I love those compliments. Because, friends, we are children of God. We've got a responsibility. The world's looking upon us. And we need to live up to that responsibility. Not to impress people. No, no. If you try to impress people, you will fall short. But if you live up to the responsibility that Christ laid in every single one of us, people will take note and they will come up to you and say, what's going on with you? And you say, man, have you got time? Let me tell you. Yes? Work with your own hands. You see, the thing is, why does he say this? Because they're living in a Greek society back in the day. The Greeks despised, the ancient Greeks despised hard work. And, the, and back in the day, they, mean, they, they came into a position when they thought, look, uh, if a man was better, the less he should work. They became lazy. I, I, I'm not quoting my own words here, but people say the Greeks are lazy. I'm, I'm not quoting my own words, so please don't come to me and say, that's not me, I'm just quoting what, what I hear. 
But in, back in the day, it was like that in that culture. And he says to them, you need to work with your own hands. And then in verse 12, he says, that you may walk properly towards those on the outside. Have respect for other people. That's a commandment. This is how people will know, and you will know that you know God if you do this. And then there's Romans chapter 13, verse 12, verse 13. For I say through the grace given to me that everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Wow. Sometimes I walk into a room, not necessarily in church environment, but work environment, and it's a small room like this, and there is, there's only three people in the room, okay? But man, I can't get into the room. <laughs> you get it. There's some people with so big egos and heads in there, you know. There's only three in the room, but there's no space for you. It's all about me, myself, and I. And here Paul says, look, one of the things that people will see that you know God and that you know that you know God is not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now look, he doesn't say that you break yourself down. Just don't think more highly than you ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one in a measure. So can you see now these commandments that he mentioned? There wasn't necessarily the Ten Commandments. It's more other commandments that you have to live by. And, and I want to suggest to you that if we live, if this church, only this church, live 100% to these commandments, which is tough, I get it. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. I want to suggest to you that we will turn, like they back in the day, will turn the city on its head. Yeah? not impossible. Now, let me finish this morning talking about these words. Remember, he said, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Have you learned something more about those commandments now? Yes. Now he says, he who says, I know him and does not keep these commandments. What is he? He's a liar and the truth is not in him. And remember the last few weeks I've explained to you, it might seem as if it's the same thing, but it's not. If you're a liar, you are deceiving others. You know the truth is in you, but you are deceiving others. You tell a lie. You don't tell the truth. But somebody where the truth is not in him is deceiving themselves. That's the difference between the two. Now, he says here, if you do not keep these commandments, you're not only deceiving others, but you're deceiving yourself as well. And this is, this is what he comes down to. Now, he says, but whoever keeps his word, you see that? Through the love of God is perfected in Him. So there's two things. We want the love of God to be perfected in us. And it only comes through the Word of God. And he says, if the Word of God is in you and the love is perfected, by this we know that we are in Him. By this we know this. In other words, the commandments are the Word of God. Let me just put this out. So those things which I gave you before is the Word of God. But the Word of God is not all the commandments. What do I mean by that? It is more than that. If you just want to go this week and say, Man, I'm going to go into the Bible, I'm going to listen to this tape again, I'm going to write all those verses down, and I'm going to follow them religiously, then you are just following commandments. You're not following the Word of God. Let me explain. I've got a 16-year-old girl. Everybody knows her, Sharia. Now I come to her and I say, Sharia, will you please do the dishwasher? Who knows that that could be a long conversation. 
But I say, I want you to do the dishwasher in this way. You put the plates there, you put this there, you put that there. I don't want you to put plates higher than it ought to be. Because if it was, it's not going to wash properly. And I do, you know, I do all of these things. That is what? It's a commandment, isn't it? So I give the commandment. Now, she can go every single day. Maybe as teenagers go, You can do it every single day, following the commandments, yeah? Packing the commandments, do, 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 do. But then there is also the bench on top of the dishwasher, isn't that right? So somebody who follows the commandments go, up, off I'm going. But looking up there, the bench is dirty. Following commandments is just doing that dishwasher. But following the word of God, for the love of God, is going up to the dishwasher, packing it, looking up and say, oh, there's a hole. Now let's clean this whole area down here as well. You see, I didn't ask for that to happen, but it happens. Why? Because I love my father and he asked me to. Can you see the difference there? That's the difference between commandments and the word of God. You find so many people in the church just want to follow the commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not. And friends, they are living under the law and the law is destroying them. The law don't give them joy. But we are under Christ and the grace of Christ. Now we come to God and we say, Lord, you know what? These commandments don't even become difficult for us to do. Why? Because we operate in the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It's going to complete the love of God in us. Do you get the picture I'm trying to give you? The love of God is so powerful, friend, it will encompass every single thing you do in your life. That's why we say commandments are the Word of God. Yes, we know it's there. But the Word of God is not all the commandments. It's more than that. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. He says, Therefore, when He came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. This is what Jesus said. But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices you sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. Who's that? Jesus. In the volume of the book it is written of me. Do, uh, to do your will, O God. What is Jesus saying? He says you can follow those commandments if you want to. But God is not pleased in your sacrifices to do that. He says the volume of the book is written of me. Now we follow the word of God. And then he finishes off this morning and he says... In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also just walk just as he walked. So you get it, the commandments, the word of God, and now he turns to them and he says, you need to walk as Christ has walked, as your example. It's a full commitment to love Christ and everything he stands for. It's one to please him at any cost. So let me recap for you before you go. And you remember the last few weeks I've given you some homework. At the end of this session, we're going to have a test. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take all the chairs out. We're going to put in tables. And I'm going to have somebody supervising you. And it's only a a pencil and a a rubber. Nobody around you, okay? I'm going to ask you all these difficult questions. This is one of those other things, okay? For this week, why don't you just go away? Like I say every week, and go and find a quiet place. 
and talk to God. Friends, like I said before, you don't have to sit there and go, Oh, thou art Lord, I don't know how to pray in that. No, no, he's, a, he's, he's at your level. He can talk to you like we talk to each other now. Just speak to him and, and ask these questions to him. Say, Lord, am I walking just as you walked? And take a few moments and reflect on that. Think of what you know all about that you've learned up until this stage of your life about Jesus Christ. And measure yourself up against that. Let me tell you something which I found. You are going to fall short. We are not Christ's. But there's an example for us. Yes? So this week, why don't you just take time and go and sit there and say, Lord, am I walking as you've walked? Secondly, ask the question and say, are you keeping His commandments, the ones that you've heard about today? Am I rejoicing every day? And friend, if you're really not rejoicing, if you feel, geez, you know what, there's always sadness and downness about, you need to honestly talk to God. Talk to a, a, a brother or sister who's close to you who can give you godly advice, okay? Or come to me, I'm happy to sit down and pray with you. But I'm not the answer, I just want to put it out for you, Okay? I will just take you to the counselor, the heavenly counselor. And then finally, this week when you get an opportunity, just go and sit down and say, am I keeping his word? Am I operating in love? Will you do that? Let's pray.